0: Well, good morning. It's great to see everybody this morning, especially those of you who are guests with us. Thanks so much for being here today. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Bill, and it's my privilege to serve as a lead pastor uh, here at the table. And for those of you that are new with us, hopefully you got a sense of who we are in that video. Um, but we would love the opportunity to share with you a little bit more about who we are as a church and ways to get connected and all of that. And so. Um, right after the service this morning, if you are a guest with us, could be a first time guest or maybe you've been here three or four times. Um, we'd love for you to stay uh, afterwards to what we refer to as a meet and greet. Um, don't worry, we're not signing merch or anything like that. It's not like at a concert, but um, it's just we want to just get it, have the opportunity to meet you and find out how we can serve you. And so right after the service this morning, right down here in the front, on my left, your right. Um, We will just meet for 10 or 15 minutes or so and um, give you an opportunity to ask questions. We'll share a little bit more about the church um, because we want to get to know you and and, um, want you to get to know us and find out more about who we are as a church because we're excited that you are here. Uh, As we get started this morning, I am curious, how many of you are uh, Marvel Avenger fans? Okay, because for a second, I thought maybe I was the only one. That would make me feel weird. So glad that you guys um, are sharing that. You know, one of the things that our family has done um, quite a bit over the last year, not going out as much and all that kind of stuff, like we're watching a lot of movies at home and re-watching a lot of movies. And so one of the things that we've done just over the last couple of months is we've watched all the movies in the Avengers series in chronological order. Which is quite fascinating to do if you've got a lot of time on your hands, because there are lots of movies in that series. It's not just the Avenger movies, but you're looking at Iron Man, all of the Captain America movies, Black Panther. uh, I mean, Ant Man, Ant Man and the Wasp. I mean, there's a ton. Like, there's a I don't even know how many. There's a bunch. It took us a couple of months to get through them. But after watching them all, I think my favorite Avengers movie is the first Captain America movie. Part of the reason for that is that it's the most realistic, I think, out of all of the movies. Now, I mean, it's a scale in that because none of the Avenger movies are realistic. Most of them have to do with fighting aliens and things like that. But the interesting thing about Captain America, for those of you that haven't watched it, the original one is set during World War II. And so Captain America actually comes out, uh, comes about through the United States' desire to come up with some sort of weapon to defeat the Nazis. So it's really interesting. Captain America is a man named Steve Rogers. And Steve Rogers loved his country. In fact, he had signed up. He wanted to do everything he could to help with the war effort. He had tried to enlist in the army a number of times, but was rejected every single time because he was too small, too weak, and too frail. But he had heart. And so because he had heart, he was signed up for this experimental program where he would be given this serum that would cause him to have superhuman strength. And so though there were all kinds of risks involved, Steve stepped into this little capsule, wires plugged into him all over the place, and he received this special serum, and in just a few seconds... When they opened that capsule back up again, he emerged as this shredded, superhuman superhero. And I think that's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, maybe part of the reason I like it so much is because like, I wish that that were something that could happen in real life. I mean, sign me up for it. Now, maybe not specifically what Steve Rogers got in the movie, but if... Think about this. If there was something that we could do, some serum that we could take so that all of the aches and pains that we feel would go away, so that we would never have to worry about hurting ourselves if we tried to lift too much, we'd never run out of energy doing all of the things that we have to do around the house, like wouldn't that be incredible? Like, listen, if that were a real thing, sign me up right away. But that's not real, at least legally. And FDA approved. (laughs) I want you to think about this. Think about where you are in your relationship with God. Now, as I asked that question this morning, there are some of you who are maybe not really sure where you're at in your relationship with God. Not sure about faith. Not sure about the claims of Christianity. There may be others who say, man, I'm in a great spot in my relationship with God. And if that's the case, I think that's wonderful. But probably the vast majority of us, as we think about where we are in our relationship with God, would quickly say we're not exactly where we want to be, and we would be able to easily identify a couple of things that are holding us back, things that are keeping us from taking that next step in the faith, things that are keeping us from being where we want to be. For some, maybe it's knowledge, and maybe you've got to be careful with that because knowledge isn't the be-all, end-all, but yet at the same time, I mean, if you don't know what God wants you to do, or when you go to read the Bible, you read it, and you're like, I have no idea what this is talking about, those things can hold you back. Maybe for others, you automatically right away think about a character issue. Maybe you struggle with pride. Or pleasing people. Maybe anxiety or anger. Maybe there's an addiction issue. Remember last week in the message, we talked a little bit about Romans 7. It's in Romans 7 that the apostle Paul wrote and he said, why is it that I don't do what I want to do and that which I don't want to do, I find myself doing all the time. And I think all of us at different periods in our lives, for sure, we can all relate to those statements. But what would it be like if we could do something where there was some magic serum or some pill that we could take, and in an instant, all of those things that hold us back were gone? I mean, What would it be like if all of a sudden something would happen in our lives and we just knew everything that we needed to know to take those next steps in the faith so that knowledge wasn't an issue anymore? Or, or what if... Something could happened that in an instant, all of a sudden, we would no longer struggle not doing the things that we don't want to do, and we would always be able to do the things that we want to do. Wouldn't that be great? Today, we're starting a new series called The Miracle Healer, and after today, we're going to be talking about some miracle stories of Jesus, and we're, so we're going to see him do some incredible things. He's, we're going to see Jesus calm a storm. We're going to see Jesus heal a demon-possessed man. We're going to see him bring a little girl back to life again. We're going to see him feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. We're going to see some incredible miracle stories of Jesus. And as we read these stories in the next couple of weeks, it's really easy for us to begin to read ourselves into those stories. And see all of those miracle stories as a metaphor for what God wants to do in our lives. We'll read them and automatically, without even thinking about really what they're saying or what they're really about, we'll begin to say, well, Jesus did that for them. I know he's going to do it for me. You know, the reality is that Jesus did change people's lives in an instant. I mean, we're going to see a story where he brings a little girl who was once dead back to life again, radically changing her life In an instant. And so we're going to see that story and be like, man, he did it for her. He's going to do it for me. But before we go there, it's important for us to look at the passage that we're looking at today, which is the parable of the sower. See, I want you to know Jesus can change people's lives in an instant. I mean, maybe he's done that for you because he can change the direction of our lives in an instant. We're headed down one path and then all of a sudden something happens and we realize we need to reverse course. We could talk about stories of addicts who, when they come to faith in Christ, uh, their life is radically changed and they no longer struggle with alcohol or drugs or whatever the issue was. And they would even say that they've never even been tempted to go back to that. So God absolutely can change our lives in an instant. But yet at the same time, for most of us, growth in our faith, it takes time. And so we're looking this morning at this parable that Jesus told, the parable of the sower. And the thing about the parable of the sower is this, that it's what's really important is to understand that what Jesus is talking about is not what our life is like in an instant, but he's talking about how our lives could be characterized over the course of our entire lives. And again, for most of us, growth is gradual and it takes time. There's not necessarily a magic pill to take or magic serum or or whatever it is that magically makes everything go away. It just takes time. And so I want to talk about that this morning as we talk about how to cultivate a fruitful life. And I'll explain what that is, but it's really the life that God desires to have for us. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn to the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8. We're going to look this morning at Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, it'll be on the screen as I read it. Or if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, um, you can navigate your way to our live event and follow along there. The interesting thing about this parable is we don't have to guess about the meaning because Jesus, Jesus explains it for us, which is quite helpful In this case. But before I read it, I want to pray and just ask God to speak to our hearts as we look at His Word this morning. So, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we recognize our need for You. Father, I think as all of us have thought over the last couple of minutes about our relationship with You, we can easily identify things that are holding us back. And so, Father, I pray that with those things that we've identified, maybe through the power of your Spirit, with the help that only you can provide, God, we'd be able to overcome those things to take the next step in our faith. God, cultivate in us this morning a desire for a fruitful life, the life that you desire us to live. And God, give us understanding in how to do that and what that looks like um, Because, Father, I truly believe that that's the best life that we could possibly live, is the one that you desire to have in us. So have your way in our hearts this morning, and it's in Jesus' name that that I pray. Amen. The parable of the sower, Luke 8, starting in verse 4. When a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow a seed. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and yet in time of testing they fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, those who hearing the word hold hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. You know, in that second half of what I read, Jesus explains the parable, and so it's kind of easy to generally understand what he's talking about. So he says the seed is the word of God, and then the soil, as we understand it, is our hearts, or maybe the receptiveness of our hearts. To the word of God. And so I wanna talk a little bit about the soils, but before I do that, I wanna just share just some observations from this passage, and then we'll talk about how to cultivate a fruitful life. So let's talk a little bit about just some observations that I make. And the first thing I want you to notice is that the seed is sown far and wide, the farmer is not concerned with where the seed goes. So as you think about it, it's it's a little bit different maybe than the farming that you and I might be familiar with. Both of my grandfathers grew up on farms. And so when I was a little boy, they both had large gardens. And so I often went with them um, when they were planting their gardens and then sometimes taking care of them and and certainly going back to pick the produce of the garden. And so when my grandfathers would get ready to, to plant their gardens in every spring, the first thing that they would do is plow the soil. And then once the soil was plowed, they would be very careful to make um, very straight rows in the garden and then they would take great care in planting the seed in just the right place. They sometimes let me do some of that with them and so it was a couple of seeds in this hole and then a few inches down, a couple of more seeds later. Farming in Israel was a lot different than that. The condition of the soil in Israel was a lot different than Uh, very rich soil that you might find in a garden today. It's very rocky. And there's some debate as to uh, the exact process. Some people believe that the seed was sown and then the field was plowed to cover over that seed. Others believe that the field was plowed first and then the seed was sown. But in either case, it wasn't this delicate, very careful process. The seed was just thrown out, almost at random, hoping that it would find good soil along the way. So the seed is just sown far and wide, which is really important for those of us who sow seed, which because as followers of Christ, from the moment that we come to faith in Christ, we're to be helping to lead other people to faith in Jesus. That's all of our responsibility. So if you're a follower of Christ, this is all of us. So what it indicates to me on the front end is that we should not be concerned about the condition of the soil. Or the perceived condition of the soil, because we don't know what kind of return it's gonna make. We sow the Word of God far and wide. Second thing that I see in this passage is that there are four types of soil, and I think that in any given group, there, you're gonna find those four types of soils. So today, as we gather together in this room, and including those who are watching online, somebody in this room watching online represents each of the types of soil. And so on the front end, our responsibility is not to look around the room and try to figure out who's what type of soil. What we ought to do is look at our own hearts and say, what type of soil is in my heart? And ask ourselves, well, what type of soil do I really want to be? And hopefully, all of us would say that we want to be the good type of soil. Third observation I make out of this is that the seed is always the same, but the response is different. So as Jesus tells the the parable, the seed is always the same. It's not the, the quality of the seed, it's the condition of the soil that makes a difference. Now think about how this works itself out. When I was a youth pastor years ago, we had a student in our youth ministry whose parents attended the church as well, but he wasn't showing up on Sundays. And so I went to him and was like, hey, man, like, he would come to student ministry stuff all the time. I was like, hey, like, why don't you come on Sundays with your parents? He was like, man, it's just so boring. I don't get anything out of it. And I told him, I was like, look, maybe it's boring. But if you listen well, there is something that you can take that's beneficial for your life. See, here's the thing. Sometimes we get to the place where like, we're not exactly where we want to be in our relationship with God. Maybe we're not growing the way that we want to grow. It's really easy in those moments to blame somebody else. It's not the quality of the seed that makes a difference. It's the condition of the soil. So the question is, what's our, what are our hearts like? So let's talk a little bit about these four different types of soils. The first one is the, the soil along the path. So Jesus tells a parable. He says, a farmer went out to sow seed and some fell along the path. And as Jesus explains it, he says, this is the ground that's really hard. So there's no place for the seed to get covered over by the soil. And so as he explains it, the, Satan comes along and steals that seed so that that person does not believe and is not saved. So there's some people who just won't get it and they'll never understand. Like, think about it this way there are people that can hear the good news about Jesus, the gospel, that Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead, and that the only way to have a relationship with God is through the work of Jesus, that there's nothing that we could ever do to earn it. We, can't, uh, we don't deserve it, but Jesus has freely given it to us. They can hear that message, and maybe it's in a service like this one, or maybe it's, they hear that from a friend, and they can say to themselves, that sounds really nice, and do absolutely nothing with it. And it makes no difference. So there's some people who never get it, never understand, even though they hear. The second type of soil is the rocky soil. In this case, as Jesus explains it, the seed is able to take root a little bit, but because of the rocks, so the plant begins to grow, but because of the rock, there's no place for the roots to grow. And so when things get hard, they don't last. And so in some sense, this is somebody who maybe hears the message believes to a certain extent, again, maybe it's in a service or they hear it from a friend and they're like, yeah, man, that sounds really great, but then they don't count the cost of following Jesus. And so when things get hard, they fall away. The third type of soil is the soil where there are weeds. So in this case, as Jesus explains it, some seed falls among the weeds and there's places for it to grow, but as it grows, the weeds inevitably choke it out. And so Jesus explains the the significance of that, the the meaning of that, and he says that there are some people who will hear the message, believe, and for a long time look really good. But then the cares of life or just the, the stuff of the world chokes it out so that it does not bear fruit. And this is the one I want to stop with for just a second. And I really want us to think about this. Because if you would say that the table is your church home, you show up on a somewhat regular basis, likely the first two types of soil are not you. But it would be very easy to get stuck being the soil that is the soil where there are lots of weeds. And here's why this is so dangerous. We've really got to think about it. Because again, as Jesus is talking about this, he's not talking about what is your life like today, but he's talking about what your life will be like when you look at it as a whole. See, the danger of this weed-filled soil is that you can look like you're doing everything right for a period of time, maybe even a long period of time, but then something will happen and you'll fall away. And so that reality should be in the back of all of our minds. And I just got out of the habit of going to church. I've heard that a lot over the years. And we've got to be careful. It's, coming to church is not the be-all, end-all of everything. But yet at the same time, if you're not connected to a local church consistently, you're probably not living out your faith. Certainly not doing it the way that God desired us to because we were never meant to do it alone. All kinds of different reasons that would cause somebody to say, Well, I just got out of the habit. Could be a season of life where life just got really busy. It could be a global pandemic. And just got out of the habit. Could also be a church hurt. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. It could be, because this happens to a lot of people where Maybe a church just doesn't meet an expectation that they have. Or maybe the church does something to offend somebody and they just like give up on church. And that can happen. I'll tell you, I know that there are a lot of churches who do bad stuff out there. And I would hope that we're better than that. But yet at the same time, I know that we're not perfect, and so it's entirely possible that we could not meet an expectation or do something to offend somebody. Certainly, I mean, we would do that unintentionally. But yet at the same time, you've got to remember this. You're not putting your faith in a church or a group of people. Your faith is found in Jesus. But it's really easy to kind of look like you're doing everything right in a season of your life, but then something could happen and you fall away. That's the seed that falls among the weeds. The last type of soil is, of course, the the good soil. As Jesus tells the story, it's the soil that produces fruit a hundredfold. And Now, Here's what that the significance of that. Some people will hear, some people will believe the word, take it in, hold to it, and they'll produce a divine harvest. Jesus said, will be a hundredfold harvest, which probably for most of us doesn't mean anything because we have no comparison. Let me give you the comparison. In Israel at the time, a tenfold harvest would have been considered really, really good. And so Jesus says this seed falls among the good soil so that it produces a hundredfold harvest so this is god is doing something in somebody's life that's the only explanation for this it is not by chance this is the work of God. And I hope that all of us, as we understand that, would say, that's the kind of life I want to lead. I want my heart to be good soil where I hear the word of God, I take it in, embrace it, and allow it to radically change my life so that I can bear fruit that remains. But the question is, how do we do it? So I'm going to give you three things. First, Make sure that you do everything you can to develop daily disciplines, develop disciplines that allow you to spend time daily with God. This is so important because it's in the presence of God where our lives are changed. Now let me talk a little bit about that change. What is this? Fruit That God wants to bring about. I think that there are two things with that. One is life transformation. So it's what God wants to do in us as God brings about character transformation in our lives. So he never wants to leave us where we are, but he wants to do something in us to transform us so that we live more like Jesus and reflect his character in what we do. But then there's a second part of that as well. And that's the understanding that God's work doesn't just end with us, it should flow through us to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so that's part of that fruit also. And the only way for us to be, to develop that kind of fruit over our entire lives is to be spending time daily with God. Primarily, the way that we do that is through the disciplines of Bible reading and prayer. So you've got to develop those disciplines so you're spending time daily with God. Now, some of you might say, man, I've never done that in my life. I have no idea how to do that. And if that's the case, we want to help you. Over the last couple of months, we have been training disciple makers people that are ready to meet with you and help you to understand what a growing relationship with Christ looks like, how to develop those disciplines and and just help you as you begin to read through Scripture so that you understand it more and more. And so if you're... There, saying, hey, I need help with that. I need somebody to help guide me to begin to develop those disciplines so that I understand what life in Christ looks like. We, let us know because we have people that are ready to meet with you. So don't leave today without saying, hey, I'm ready to meet with somebody. We have somebody who's ready to meet with you. So that's first. Develop the disciplines to spend time daily with God. Second thing it's really important to do, count the cost. Count the co- cost of following Jesus. Jesus once said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. We cannot do the same things and expect a different result. God wants to change our lives, so we have to change our priorities. And following Jesus is all about changing priorities. It's about living differently. As we think about the world around us, the message the world around us often gives to us is we have to look out for ourselves and do what makes us happy. And Jesus says, no, you got to take your eyes off of yourself. Lose your life. That's when you'll find it. Following Jesus is in part a recognition to say, it's not about me. So we've got to develop those daily disciplines. Second is count the cost. And then third is that we have to persevere through whatever may come. Verse twenty-five at the, or verse 15, at the very end, again, Jesus talks about this fruit, and he says it's those who hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Real similar to what we talked about last week for those of you who are here, we should probably look at that and not look at it as patience but perseverance. It's just people that persevere that keep following, that keep our eyes fixed on Jesus regardless of whatever comes into our lives. We just keep going. And that's what Hebrews 12, which I mentioned last week as well, let us consider him who endured such things so that we would not grow weary and lose heart. The reason that that's so important is because it's really easy for us to grow weary and lose heart. But we've got to keep persevering regardless of what comes. I would love it if there was a magic pill or a serum or something that we could do that would take all of those things that are keeping us from being where we want to be in our relationship with God, take all of those things away in an instant. But the truth is, for most of us, that's not how it works. It's not magic. That growth in Christ is getting up every single day, taking one day at a time, one step at a time, being obedient to do what God wants you to do as he calls you to do it. And over time, at some point in your life, when you get to the end and you look back, as you continue to live in obedience, you would be able to say, man, my life, that's a good soil where there's all kinds of fruit and fruit that remains. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe God is going to do something incredible in your life and change you in an instant. But even if he doesn't, just keep following and keep your eyes fixed on him. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we finish this morning, I, I do pray that you would just help us all to understand how to develop, cultivate a uh, the good soil in our hearts so that when we hear your word, we take it in, and it changes who we are so that we can do what you've called us to do and be people that bear fruit, fruit that remains. Father, we recognize we can't do this on our own. We can only do it through the power of your Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And so, Father, I pray that we would surrender ourselves to you today. Be at work in us continue to change us. Help us to not be discouraged, but to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who laid down his life on the cross so that we could know you. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.